You are listening to Harvest Africa Untapped. I am your host, Fatima Musa. So welcome back. As you know, we have a segment called Lunch Break. And last week we went out and asked a few people some very basic questions about Africa. One of the questions we asked people was how many heritage sites there are in South Africa and if they could name them. What came to light with this exercise was how limited our knowledge on the rest of the continent is. Not many people could name heritage sites or even knew how many there were in South Africa. So I brought in some experts to school us. We have Leanda and Budwa from the African World Heritage Fund. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Hi. We really appreciate you taking the time to come and chat with us. Um, before we actually get into it, how many heritage sites do we have in South Africa? <laughs> well, in South Africa, we have 10 World okay. Heritage Sites, and South Africa is leading Africa, followed by um, Morocco mm-hmm. with nine, as mm-hmm. well as um, Egypt as well with nine. Wow. So we have a long way to go, but in total, in, um, in Africa, there's 130. Uh, seven, mm-hmm. as of the World Heritage Committee that was last week in in, in Baku. Yes, you were there. I was You're there. Gonna I was fortunate. <laughs> You're going to tell us about it a bit later. Yeah, yes. I was fortunate to be there. So in total in the continent, it's 137 at this point in time. But in South Africa, it's 10 of them. Okay, cool. I just want to say, I think what you guys are doing is super important, as well as incredibly interesting. Do you feel like this organization, do you feel like it's something meaningful that you're a part of? Oh, absolutely. It's it's more than meaningful. It means that there's, there's a lot of impact mm-hmm. that all these sites have if they're preserved, if they're conserved well, and if they're protected. Mm. Can you give us a little bit of insight as to how the African World Heritage Fund was established, where it is now, maybe some of the challenges that you're facing today? Well, uh, we were formed, or rather the African World Heritage Fund was formed in 2006 mm-hmm. um, in Sterkfontein, South Africa, you know, where a, a, a collaboration of governments, state parties, African state parties came together feeling that we need a catalyst, which was then the African World Heritage Fund to bring heritage and uh, tourism together. together. So that catalyst that would make sure that um, um, African properties are maintained and sustained. So this is how the African World Heritage Fund was born. So we are a category two center mm-hmm. formed under the auspices of UNESCO. Okay, just before, what is UNESCO? Because that kept coming up. I'm like, <laughs> what is the relationship between the African World Heritage Fund and, and UNESCO? UNESCO? So UNESCO stands for United Nations um, Scientific um, um, uh, Culture um, and Science, okay. well, as well as Education. Um, organization. So uh, it's really the umbre- umbrella of all those elements put together. So we are under the culture aspect of UNESCO. Okay. So under the culture aspect, we are a category two center, meaning that we are we hold the same weights. We are recognized under the UNESCO prestigious uh, um, uh, aspect of it. Okay, cool. So uh, it means a whole lot of prestige. Okay to be associated with UNESCO. So you have that on your back. So we've got that on our back, (laughs) as well as the African Union from an African perspective, because we manage the whole continent. Some of the challenges that you're facing today. Well, there have been many. um, And just to highlight a few um, in the world, excuse me. So um, currently we're sitting at uh, 1,121 World Heritage Sites Mm -hmm. in the world. And in Africa, there's only 137. 
So that's a huge challenge altogether because Africa is such a big continent. Exactly. And then you find uh, places like France, who have 55 uh, World Heritage Sites, Italy, or Italy rather, with uh, with 55, and um, China also 55. Um, Italy has 44. And then you find in Africa in total, 137. So what does that say to you? Mm. It means that there's a huge gap, a huge gap. The margin is too big. And Africa has so many natural uh, and mineral resources that we pride ourselves with. But uh, why are they not making an impact? Mm. You know, we need to get to a level where we close the gap. It's going to take a long time because uh, listing a, world a site as a World Heritage Site um, has a lot to it. Mm. So it, it could take even four years just working on one site to get it to a level that is recognized as a World Heritage Site. So that has been... What is the criteria? Sorry, just to stop you there. Well, there's many criteria, but the main one is the outstanding universal value. Okay. So a, 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 a site has to have features of an outstanding nature. It must be an aspect that has not been seen before, that is... Um, um, that, uh, necessitates for people to go and want to see it mm -hmm. because it's of prestigious value or rather it, the fact that it's an OUV outstanding universal value mm. it adds to the prestige element to it gotcha. so I must be able to want to go and see Valfus Bay you know mm. one must be um, able to if you see the rock arts mm. Um, Waterfalls. You know, the Victoria Waterfalls mm. uh, in Zimbabwe, Zambia, that's what we call a transboundary site, a, a site that's shared between countries. It's called a transboundary site. Like uh, Maluti, uh, you, you, South Africa shares a site between uh, um, South Africa and Lesotho. Mm. So there's now uh, Wap Ali, Benin, and you know, so there's, there's various, there's, there's about nine in Africa. So um, we have. Really, uh, that's the main challenge. But then the challenge of climate change, you know. Yeah. You know, climate change, is, it's impacting uh, uh, Africa in a big way, the world mm -hmm. in a big way. But particularly Africa, because we're not the richest of uh, continent. So you know, resources-wise. Exactly. You know, the overflooding, it means that then the heritage sites get Infrastructure, affected. Infrastructure. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and or drought, excessive heat that will cause fires on our world heritage sites. Mm -hmm. So we've got those challenges can you just give us a brief breakdown of what your roles are in the organization? Okay, so I'm the partnership officer of the organization. Okay. Within partnerships, it's uh, fundraising, it's communications, it's events, mm -hmm. as well as obviously the partnershiping, because partnershiping is building relations so with stakeholders. So you go out and network with all exactly, the... Exactly, build relations with yes. stakeholders. From a profiling point of view, from a communications point of view, then it's profiling the organization, mm -hmm. making sure that it's visible, um, developing campaigns, that will touch uh, the ordinary individual, but also the relevant audience that we need to be speaking to, to yes. make an impact, you know. Um, various initiatives, you know, communications is broad. Mm -hmm. It involves marketing, it involves PR, it involves... So all those initiatives are done within our segment. So you have a handle on all this. Absolutely. So an all-rounder. Can you put where? Um, yeah, I'm working in the same office. Yes. For the partnership, but I'm an intern here. An intern, okay. And how's your experience been? How did you even find an internship? Like, I think the craziest part about this organization is that the average man on the street doesn't know that it even exists. So, what did you study? Who did you have to meet and network with to actually get into an organization like this, even as an intern? Yeah. Um, so, actually, I'm from Belgium. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, so, uh, HBHF 
uh, they have a partnership with Belgium, and uh, every year now they try like to, to have one intern for six months. Okay. And I studied like African languages and cultures. Okay. And I was really interesting about uh, the organization by the beginning because um, heritage is also part of the culture. Mm-hmm. So that's how I applied for it. Um, and I'm really glad. I, I did. Are you learning a lot? Yes. I can imagine how many stories and interesting things you guys have picked up on the way. What is the most, what is something that you yourself, even after studying, you know, you said you studied languages, you said, what is something you learned in this journey with this organization that you didn't even expect? Um, to be honest, um, I didn't expect that Africa, for example, didn't have a lot of World Heritage Site. Okay. Um, but maybe it's also that due to the fact that I was living in New York. But, um, so you had like both perspectives. Yes. But it says also a lot. Like, how is it possible to, to be living like in Brussels, for example, and not know about the World Heritage Sites in Africa? And it's underrepresented. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, uh, I realized and I was like, oh, there is a problem. There is a big problem. And so there's also one of my challenges that I want to go back. And I will definitely also try to talk about it uh, back in the country. And push that narrative further. Yes. And you, Leander? Um, you no, sorry, I just need to get back to um, the question you posed to, yeah. to Bordeaux. That, yes, WHF has a, um, an agreement with um, the Flanders government. Okay. So we've ha- we have it for three years. So we've had it in the past and it was renewed, which meant that the collaboration was going really well. Okay. And they've really been uh, bringing quite skilled um, uh, graduates. Interns and graduates. You know, actually, even most at a master's level. But that doesn't mean that uh, we don't take people at a bachelor's degree uh, or honors okay. level, you know. So we're open to, to, to people of that caliber as well. That's amazing. So, but from... Uh, Flanders' uh, perspective, government perspective, we've been fortunate to get people at a master's level. And uh, so that's, so we get interns for every six months. Mm-hmm. For, so two interns per year for the next three years. And already for, for this year, we've gone, the, is this the second one? Yeah. So we still have two more years to go. And we do send out a call for applications on our social media platforms just to show you how broadly we we try to expose what HWHF is doing in terms of our work. We collaborated with um, National uh, School of Library yes. in, in Pretoria. Okay. So, I mean, the library is broad it, and it welcomes individuals, not necessarily not just people who are studying. It's a national library. For all individuals, not because you're at a specific university. University, have access. No, it's literally everybody. So anybody who could go there has access to, because we've left some books, we've left some material. You know, so we're just encouraging people to be more aware because we'd like to get our work uh, known broadly, Mm. you know, known broadly. But obviously, we're also limited in funds because we would like to go the billboard way. We'd like to go the broadcast way, you know. Uh, so that people really, really... And it's like, what do you prioritise? Is it getting the funding and then the education, or is it the education and then the funding? You know, they go hand in hand. They do. They really go hand in hand because you you really can't do one without the other, you know? Mm. We really can't because uh, uh, you, not having the funds to train the people, to educate the people means that 
you're giving them limited information. You know, you're limiting in the expertise that you can build. Because we do have training workshops that we do. And it is such an expertise, expertise because as you said, you're from Belgium and you didn't know how significant heritage sites were in Africa. We're in South Africa and South Africans don't know how significant heritage sites Mm. are. Um, And through that, what are some of the misconceptions? The misconception is that um, heritage sites are, are for tourists. That's what the locals think, that I wouldn't necessarily go and spend a weekend at a heritage site. It's, it's the last thing you think mm, of, yes. you know? So the locals don't take ownership of what's theirs. I think it's also relating you know? to travel. As South Africans, as we were speaking about it in the first episode, it's actually cheaper to travel to your Thailand and your Bali than mm. to travel to the rest of other African countries, our neighbours. Mm, so yeah. there is that, but how do we navigate that now? Um... Education, definitely. Yeah. I, want, <laughs> I want to say the same thing. Yeah, no, education. But yeah, even like, um, if you think about like, let me give you an example of France, uh, real life, the Eiffel Tower. Yes. Um, I think all French people went to see the Eiffel Tower once in their life. And something like, it's natural, right? Hmm. And um, I think uh, in Africa, we have sort of to go through it like, also, that everyone could have the chance to go and see a World Heritage Site minimum once in their mm. life. So. Yeah, see, see it as a, a place of, like a Goldrift City, yes. you know? <laughs> People go to Goldrift City and they don't mind paying to go to Goldrift City, you know, to have um, some fun. Mm. You know, there's fun elements of World Heritage Sites, you sites. know? There's a lot of infrastructure that has not developed, like uh, the Cradle of Humankind. Mm. There's even a hotel that's built on there so that people can just, it shouldn't be a once-off thing. Spend a day there, appreciate it, get to know the history, you know, because there's um, there's your, um, there's a lot of history there, you know. And um, so people must start seeing it as that. In that way, they'll, they'll take ownership. I of think what it they- does come down to ownership because... I think as South Africans, we feel so far removed from the rest of Africa Mm. that we don't feel like we do have ownership of these sites. Exactly. Exactly. And we also tend to think that it's expensive as well, you know, tend to just put a price to it. And it's actually not. Some some are free. We speak about how beautiful it is and how accessible or the misconception that it's not accessible when Mm. it actually is. However, we do need to consider the politics around these heritage sites, which comes to my point about the danger list. So you guys have something called the danger list, which um, I just read as of July 2018, Africa is underrepresented in the World Heritage List with only 136 sites listed from 1,092 in the world. That's constituting only 12%. And this is where it gets interesting. Africa Mm. is also overrepresented on the World Heritage List in Danger Mm. with 22 sites from 54 sites listed in Danger in the world. That's constituting 40% of the list. Mm. Sorry, just to update the statistics, there's 1,121 sites in the world, no longer 1,092 as of the recent World Heritage. Got it. Yeah. But you are definitely correct, and that is very alarming. It is. That is very, very alarming. So just in simple terms, if people didn't understand that, 
we are underrepresented in on the world heritage list, the prestigious list. Mm. But in the danger list, we are no, overrepresented. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense, guys. It really does. You know, so that's simple terms. Of I think it's more reflective of just the world's perception of Africa in general, in mm. media coverage, in music, in arts, mm. and now in world heritage sites. I think um, it was a shocker for me. But yeah, tell us more. What is going on? No, it, it really is a sad case, but it's a reality. You know, it's a reality that Africa faces. For example, a place like DRC, they've got five sites, five World Heritage sites, but all of them are listed in danger. And sites are listed in danger because of wars, mm-hmm. because of conflicts, because of despair, mm-hmm. climate change, fires. So there's a whole lot of some natural disasters that affect... Uh, that are, of course, unavoidable. That are unavoidable unavoidable mm-hmm. absolutely so when it comes to that it's important for state parties and our government must take a leading role because to resuscitate these um, world heritage sites means that extra funding needs to be generated into them you know and we as AWHF have actually played a huge role in actually getting some of these world heritage sites off the danger list meaning that we've been able to uh, provide grants okay can you name some in Uganda, Timbuktu. Timbuktu is very famous. If you ask, yeah. if you ask ordinary people, name a World Heritage site. I, I promise you, they will mention it. Timbuktu. Do you know? For the longest time, I thought Timbuktu was just made up. Like it was just one of those things. Where it's like, oh, where are you no, going? I'm going to Timbuktu. Did. Like it doesn't make sense. It was affected by fires. It's back on the World Heritage list again. You That's know, crazy. but it was in the list in danger. So we managed to assist with funding because AWHA. That's I think I need to highlight that also part of our work. As much as we um, are dependent on donors, those don- donations are actually meant to assist these World Heritage yes. sites. We then generate them back into them by giving grants, by giving education grants. So it's mm-hmm. two, two types of uh, um, grants you that we provide. You guys do a lot. Your portfolio must be amazing. No, it's, it's, it's insane. It's insane. So we give two types of grants, um, conservation grants, mm-hmm. which is then these conserving these World Heritage sites that are on the danger list or the list in danger. And then obviously the education grants to help um, individuals who really are passionate about the sector and already studying, studying in that industry. But they can go to our website, obviously. What do you think the media's role is in representation of Africa? You know what? <laughs> um, <laughs> the media can play a huge role. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, because they, they've got such an influence. You know, people listen to what the media say, sometimes whether true or not, you know, but the, the media uh, play a huge role. So um, actually from our point, we've actually been thinking now we need to take them on an excursion because I think the most important thing is to give them an experience. You can take me. No, I am there. <laughs> you know what, you're gladly welcome because we need to start giving the media an experience. It's true. Because the media right from their point of view and sometimes from their lack of knowledge as well because mm-hmm. the media can also sometimes come across as if they do they are knowledgeable about the industry and yet they, they know they they're not our, 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 the intricate details of our work is really quite broad you know there's so much depth in them and so obviously uh, for media what sells is a Timbuktu that's burnt but the causes of the burning... No, of course, we know this. They we know that crisis trumps positive stories. Exactly, exactly. So it will be important to give them an experience, educate them what it takes for World Heritage Site to be at the level that it is and to gain the recognition that it gets and um, why certain things happen to it 
that can be avoided. Mm. So it's it's important to keep the media close so that they, they tell a good story. And have a you know? good relationship with them rather than a Absolutely. negative Absolutely. media just doesn't represent Africa. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. I mean, they also need to feel included. They need to feel involved, you know, so that they can tell a good story. And I also think it's a shift in mindset. Absolutely. Because like I said, in 2015, it was... In 2015, 21st century, was mm. the call for the decolonization of the curriculum. Mm. So again, we need to implement those things further in all our institutions, in the media industry, in mm. our um, libraries, in, do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. it's just, we need to be more aggressive than we have been, I mm. think. And that's where you're going to see more... Um, spotlights on your organizations like the African World Heritage Fund and what they're doing. Mm. And of course, you want to appeal to funding and investors, Mm. but you also want to appeal to the everyday person, the everyday... absolutely. There are so much things to speak about. Absolutely. And you know, the everyday person builds word of mouth, Mm -hmm. you know, which is the most important. I mean, that goes further than uh, any other media I can think of, you know. So it's important to touch that ordinary citizen who actually does have a passion but maybe doesn't know it you know but needs someone to develop it I think even in Baku what happened like with the Bina uh, the media oh the yes the Africa wasn't represented in terms of media at all it was just uh, Burkina Faso media and not because Burkina Faso was the only African country that got listed you know they've got a World Heritage Site listed but it would have been just for me, it was just normal for Africa to be represented, whether your country will be listed or not, you know, so that you can educate the people back home, teach them about the World Heritage Committee, what happens there, mm. what it takes for sites to be um, to be named, you know, or proclaimed as the World Heritage Site. So you find that in Baku, only one media was there from Africa, literally which was Burkina Faso. But all other continents were represented by either 12, uh, you know, two or more Mm. uh, media uh, houses. Exactly, media coverage. And so it it really is quite alarming. So you can see at what level other countries hold their heritage, you know, and with us, we're sending a message of lack of importance, Mm. which is so incorrect. Definitely. Um, you said you were at the committee, the World Heritage Site yes. Committee. Do you want to speak to what the outcomes or objectives of that was like? Oh my word! Yeah, <laughs> we're taking the whole day. But can I just such, ask? Is it boring? Oh, never, <laughs> never. Such an amazing experience, you know. Such an amazing experience. But you actually get to see um, how um, people really take so much pride of these World Heritage Sites because I think that's another thing we need to educate Africa of this prestigious level that it brings. You know, apart from the tourism, that attraction that it builds, uh, it means that a focus is put into your country. Africa is then profiled at a different level when you know that you've got this number of World Heritage mm-hmm. Sites that your uh, your country, like with Kina Faso, I mean, they had an additional World Heritage Sites listed, you know, to their name. So if we could make people understand then understand that, Africans rather, understand that perspective, then there'll be like a UK who got a site inscribed because people fight for it. Mm, I'll give you true. one example. Um, 
um, Azerbaijan. Baku is in Azerbaijan. That's where we were. So they had nominated a site, right? And then right there, after ECOMOS, ECOMOS is one of the advisory bodies. They then um, proclaimed it as, uh, they didn't inscribe it. So it was not inscribed. But the fighting that went on there, building their case that no, but we followed these steps. You know, you didn't um, approve us two years ago. We went back and did our homework. We bought researchers, we bought experts, you know, to ensure that this site is at the level that you guys want. Now we're coming back again and you're still saying that it doesn't meet the requirements. We just not going to accept it. You know? So which means that people know what's at stake. So all other committee members, because there's 22 committee members within that can actually either be for your 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 the decision made by ECOMOS and UNESCO or um against it, mm. you know. But none of them actually accepted. Most of them were in favor of Azerbaijan because they felt that their case was strong enough. Mm. You know, that they also followed the steps from the time that they were told, go and do your homework, do this, do that. And Azerbaijan proved that they also put funding into it. You know, they they put With a lot of resources. How much money we spend? Exactly. <laughs> you know, because we feel that this is such a prestigious, prestigious uh, mm. property. You know. And we're proud of it. You know, ultimately, because they had come there, shame, disappointed with their flags. But then ultimately, (laughs) they went out there so happy. It was, you know, a moment of ululation and jubilation because they finally got that site inscribed. So my point there is that uh, people understand what's at stake. I felt that uh, Africa did a disservice to themselves by not having media covering that day every single day exposing it to the rest of Africa. What goes on at a World Heritage Committee? What do we mean by World Heritage? Until you see it, because not everybody can experience it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But until you, but the media can bring you that close. You know, you can feel a little cup, feel part of it, mm. but you are back home watching sure. from TV, you know? And that's the impact that African media could have had and they mm. can continue to have because there's an annual event next year. It's in China, in Taiwan. The year after, it's going to be in Uganda. And I'm praying that by the time we get to Uganda, most African countries, because Uganda is in Africa, mm. most African countries are on board. Yeah. You know, they bring media. They can't mention the distance. So this home. is a rally for media coverage. Exactly, <laughs> we are rallying for media to play their part. Yes. Know? Until today, 11 African countries don't have like a World Heritage site. Yeah. Which are these countries? And you can actually mention them. They listed yeah, there here. Are, you have Burundi, Rwanda. Uh, Rwanda, Comoros, that's interesting. Comoros, yeah. Sierra Leone, Sao Tome. Um, Liberia. Yeah, Swaziland. Swaziland Jeez. is just close, but not a single World Heritage Site, you know? So that's also one of our, well, long and short-term goal, because it's, it's not just overnight that a site can be listed in a country, but getting those countries without sites, mm. at least getting them, you know, to have one site Mm. listed. And you're saying it's not just African World Heritage Fund coming to them and saying, look, this is the plan we have for you, but rather these countries coming Coming to the organization and saying, help us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they have the information. Our website is www.awtf.net. Twitter is African underscore World WH underscore fund. Please so follow me back because I did follow you guys. <laughs> okay, so we'll follow you back. We'll follow you back. Everyone on Facebook is African World Heritage Fund. Okay. So yeah. let me Post repeat Twitter, hey? Yeah. Twitter yeah. is African underscore W-H underscore fund. Cool. Yeah. And also I just need to, you know, an era that I made. It's 
um, South Africa with 10, and Morocco with 9, and Ethiopia with 9, not Egypt, sorry. Oh, Egypt Ethiopia. is 7, so it's Ethiopia and Morocco. Okay, so just before we go... Let's, we speak about pride, we speak about taking ownership. As the African World Heritage Fund, what are some achievements that you guys stand by, that you're proud of? Hmm. Speak to that. You know, since the formation of the fund in 2006, I know we've highlighted quite a number of challenges, but there have been major, major achievements that the fund um, um, has managed to just impart there. And amongst, I'll just mention a few, amongst uh, many, that within the element, a segment of trainees, uh, more than 450 heritage practitioners have been trained in the nomination filing. Because remember, for a site to be, when the site is nominated, there's a whole process, process. that goes into it. So it means that those trainees have to be, uh, people have to be trained to ensure that when they produce a file and say, okay, this is ready to be uh, handed to UNESCO to be considered as a World Heritage uh, Site, there's a certain you know, there's certain work, there's a process mm. that needs to be have done. So we pride ourselves in the fact that we've managed to train over 450, which is a lot. That's a lot of people. Which is a lot. And then training workshops that we've held, more than 30 capacity building workshops that we've implemented, you know, um, about World Heritage in Where Africa. Where did these workshops take place? In the different countries. Okay. Different countries. Uh, there's one happening in Cote d'Ivoire. There's uh, one happening in Nigeria. We've had a few in South Africa. We've had in Senegal. You name it. So all Every African country you can think of. <laughs> we've had they. these workshops. You know, these training workshops. Hence, we say we do work a lot with state parties and the governments. Mm -hmm. You know, meaning that we work with the governments and government departments, antiquities, culture, sure. environment to give these trainings. And then the new inscriptions, you know, that... Yes, um, tell us, what, are, what can we expect? No, you know, with the new inscriptions that we've managed to assist uh, our funding, because we did say we give grants, right, mm. conservation, but also uh, grants to, to ensure that uh, they supported uh, within the nomination aspect mm -hmm. to get, so that they... Um, so that the file is ready, okay. you know. So there's the a whole lot of money that goes on, mm. in, that's involved in that. So we've supported at least 27. So it, uh, fu we supported funding with two sites and 27 of those sites have managed to be listed on the World Heritage List, which oh, is a great achievement. That's um, that's 100%. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. So it's not just a sustain and nothing. Mm -hmm. It just, uh, you know, it's goes successful. flat. You know, it's successful. The fact that it's successful and today we can actually say this specific site is a World Heritage Site because AWH have contributed Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for good. inviting us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so all the information will be on our Twitter page and we will give all your details, your mm -hmm. website, your Twitter page, your Facebook page. Facebook. Yes. We actually, our biggest platform is, is Facebook. Facebook. Okay. Our hugest following is on <laughs> Facebook. And so, and we, Instagram, Instagram, well, quite recent, quite recently opened, but it's it's improving. Did you get to document your um the was it the forty third forty third World yes. Heritage Committee? Well, in terms of virtuals, not really. Uh, you know, because yeah. we also don't go with a professional uh, camera or video. So here's a rally for professional photographers. <laughs> I know, hey, I know that's, that's to travel Africa <laughs> to travel Africa, but that's very important. Mm. That's very important actually because. Um, we were, we're in the digital era now, yes. you know, so the writing is no longer that appealing. People want to see visuals. Mm. People want to, you know, 
see things in action. Yeah. You know, see things in action. So those are the gradual changes that AWHF is trying to do, you know. So the most important, and I think this my director needs to hear, <laughs> having a separate communications from partnerships so that it's focused on communications and, you know, the person can dedicate time to do a postcard, podcast there, you know, yeah. in Baku. Definitely. Why you know not? how brilliant that would have been, you know? You Why come not? back with those visuals, you mm-hmm. come back with that sound bite, much better than just writing a report of what happened. Maybe also I can, I can add something, like... Um, Maybe the youth is also asking themselves, how can we contribute? Yes, mm. definitely. I mean, we're also working a lot with youth people. With the youth, yeah. Um, every year we're doing like a youth forum. So on the youth forum, it's like a lot of youth from all over Africa comes together mm. and to talk about world heritage. Mm-hmm. So uh, just follow our social media and mm-hmm. we'll see probably when we can go there. And uh, it's also like financed by... Uh, by AWHF. So we really... Encourage and encourage youth like to to be involved. Mm. Do you feel like working at the African World Heritage Fund that you your perception of Africa has changed? Absolutely. Uh, for me, in a positive and in a negative way. <laughs> no, we only uh, positive. No <laughs> positive. No, in negative way, it's not even really bad. It's just from a perspective that can we just start doing more yeah. as Africans? You know, and not even just relying on government mm. as individuals. You know, if, if uh, we can just have that conscious, you know, about things that belong to us mm-hmm. and not wait until an outsider comes and tells us to appreciate what we have. Because they come here and they appreciate what we, we already have, you know. So that's the negative part of it, which I, I feel is a building part. It's mm-hmm. not even in a negative way. But positive is definitely the rich Africa that we have, the rich mineral resources, the big five that he mentioned. You know, there's just so much to Africa that we take for granted and that we don't highlight. Mm. You know, we spread the negative pro- propaganda, but it's uh, it's not all bad in Africa. It's really, I mean, we should ask ourselves, why are people from outside wanting to come here? It's true. There is a reason. There's you so know? many investors exactly. who there have their a, eye on Africa. Yes. There's a whole lot of people that um, understand what the locals are just neglecting, mm-hmm. you know, but they're taking pride in it and they actually want to be part of here, of, of South Africa, not just South Africa, but being a South Africa, a South African, they, they want to be part of mm-hmm. what South Africa is about or what Namibia is about. Mm-hmm. And also when you find, you find that with these tourists, when they come here, they don't just come to South Africa. They want to see the rest of yeah, Africa. No, they travel. For me, Africa is the highlight. Mm-hmm. But it's the mindset. It is the mindset. And it's going to start with conversations. And that's yes. why I'm so grateful that you guys came on here. And again, we just need to share the knowledge, share what you know, mm. share what you know, mm. and teach. Because mm. at the end of the day, um, it's going to spark some things. I Absolutely. trust that it is going to spark some things in yeah. people. You know, I actually read an article where um, they encouraged for people to spend their money on experiences than on things, you know, on more experiences. And uh, you find that it's such a reality, you know. It's such a reality that you have this thing, but you're not exposed Mm. because exposure, experiences broaden your mind. Honestly, they broaden your mind for you to actually even come and make a bigger impact in your country as well. You know, because then you start seeing that, okay, no, this can actually be improved mm-hmm. in a certain way, you know, because you've received that. So that's richer than just um, 
clinging on mm. to something, you know. So, sure. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank, thank you so you. much. No, thank you.